0: morning. You're very welcome to this morning's Your Debate, we are talking about responsible sourcing and the case for batteries. Now, we know very well that over the last decade, responsible sourcing has become a huge issue. Indeed, responsibility for the green transition overall has become a very key factor of the sorts of policy proposals we're seeing coming out of the EU Commission. The case for batteries, however, is one of particular interest because of the minerals we're using to involve, to to create them, and because of their growing necessity in our very much connected lives. So we're going to talk all about that today, particularly about what sort of responsibilities we have as industry, as citizens, as policymakers. And we have a great panel of experts to talk to us about that. We're going to be, of course, looking in detail at the proposal for a regulation concerning batteries and waste batteries. So the entire life cycle of the battery is going to be looked at. So join me to talk about that. I am very pleased to welcome from the European Commission and DG Grow, the head of unit for green and circular economy, Stefano Soro. We also have Alex Keynes, the manager of the Clean Vehicles, Transport, and Environment. We have Thomas Becker, Vice President of Sustainability and Mobility Strategy from BMW Group. Francesco Gattiaglio is the Director of EU Fairs at EuroBAT. And last but by no means least, Mark Mystery is Senior Manager of Public Policy at the Nickel Institute, one of our supporters today and sponsor of the event. So thank you, gentlemen, all very much indeed for joining me. We will also be bringing in a representative from the European Parliament to join our discussion as well. But first, Stefano, let me start with you. Give us an opening comment and let me know why you think it's so timely and so important that we're talking about this today.
1: Uh, thank you very much. Good morning to the other panelists. Good morning to you and good morning to the audience. But uh, well, batteries are a, an excellent example where environmental issues and competitiveness issues work hand in hand. Um, Europe's uh, rapidly emerging battery value chain, the European Battery Alliance, uh, and so on and so forth, is of strategic importance for Europe's economy and will help drive a green recovery. Uh, we have seen the Fit for 55 package, we have seen uh, that it's clear to everyone um, that we need to decarbonize energy and we need uh, a massive increase in the amount of electricity over the next uh, nine years at least for the first stage of our uh, um, uh, climate uh, goals um and it, it they are very important to 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 uh, drive this dream uh, this uh, this green recovery the proposal that we're going to discuss this morning uh, the batteries, uh, the proposal for a batteries is regulation of the European Commission, which has a significant uh, number of provisions uh, on uh, responsible sourcing, is a sort of prototype or trailblazer, if you wish, uh, for a new way of uh, regulating products uh, on a life cycle basis, uh, using the internal market regulatory framework to promote sustainability and achieve the European Green Deal objectives. And I'm saying a trailblazer because we already have in the pipeline, uh, in the regulatory pipeline of the Commission, a Sustainable Product Initiative, which will use the same uh, life cycle philosophy uh, with the same attention to, to due diligence and uh, responsible sourcing as the batteries regulation uh, for a for a wide number of uh, products. Uh, we all know, and you said it just in the introduction, that. Uh, Uh, Batteries are a clear example where responsible sourcing is paramount. Uh, um, By the way, responsible sourcing and circularity uh, were the main concerns expressed uh, by civil society organizations in the open public consultation that preceded the adoption by the commission of the proposal. Uh, More than half of the global demand for cobalt and lithium it's actually 50 percent more or less for cobalt and 60 percent for lithium as well as eight percent almost 10 percent now of natural graphite and going more or less in the same direction it was six percent a couple a couple of years ago for nickel are used for the production of battery and this is not going to go down uh, in the foreseeable future well on the contrary Uh, Only few countries supply those materials and in some cases, low standards of governance may exacerbate environmental and social uh, issues. In particular, for cobalt mining, uh, I mean, I'm I'm sort of quoting uh, off the cuff from a a paper written by our colleagues in the Joint Research Center of the Commission, which says that, you know, Uh, Cobalt mining is uh, uh, in some areas of the world is linked to human rights abuses, child labor and life threatening working Um, conditions. So, I mean, it's obvious that uh, in regulating the sustainability of batteries, um, uh, uh, responsible sourcing is uh, bound to play a, a, a significant role. Today, there are already some voluntary due diligence schemes. They are a great thing, uh, but they would not ensure that all economic operators, as we call them in regulatory speak, all businesses producing or being involved involved in the batteries value chain uh, uh, abide by the same uh, set of rules, have a level playing field. uh, uh, So we decided to uh, propose regulation for this uh, based on existing best practices, OECD guidelines, and with third-party verification. So, uh, in our proposal, we have included these uh, requirements. They are very clear. Uh, they, They focus on the most important minerals used in batteries. We've been asked often why haven't you included copper? or lead because they are represent only a negligible part of uh, the global consumption of copper and lead for for copper is 0.1 percent more or less Uh, it would be completely pointless to include copper among uh, uh, the 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 minerals uh, covered by the sustainable uh, sourcing responsible sourcing requirements of the regulation uh, and if we did we would not make a difference and there would probably be a substitution effect so uh, we also decided to focus on uh, large batteries uh, electric vehicle batteries and larger storage uh, electricity storage batteries because uh, this cover the vast totality of the market and especially of the growth in the battery market so we want to have an impact uh while at the same time having a a proportionate uh, uh, approach to the issue. Uh, This is my opening statement, thank you very much.
0: Thank you Stefano very, very much indeed for setting that out. I did mention we would be joined by a representative of the European Parliament, so I'm delighted to welcome from the IMCO committee Antonius Manders, who is the Rapporteur for the Opinion on the New Batteries Regulation. Antonius, thank you so much for joining us today. Give us your perspective. You've been working on this very closely.
2: Well, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I think we can use the battery regulation and I regret it that Envy is focusing too much on environmental issues and not on, uh, 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 let's say, a strategic way of thinking for our new industry, because I think um, the batteries will be the oil, for the next generation. So very important our economy, but also very important for um, our society, uh, how they can proceed. Um, Of course, I can uh, elaborate on uh, the details of the regulation, but I think it's better to start with my overall view. Um, I think in the past, the last 30 days, the last 30 years, we have focused too much on the old-fashioned way of thinking of economy, uh, namely um, making money, profits, and uh, no cost for uh, environmental damage, no cost for CO2. Um, and I think we should change that. Um, that means that we have to change the mindset of the people, but also the mindset of the, the CEOs of uh, big companies, because if we only focus on profit. For example, like Apple did with the, uh, with the universal charger, then we never will find our goals, and it is necessary to meet these goals on, on let's say the the uh, uh, Europe 55 and uh, all kinds of these things. Uh, if we want to achieve the Green Deal, and I really support the the goal, then we need another way, that we need a change in a mindset of the people and also in the mindset of, uh, well, the the governments in in, in the world. Um, I think that it is possible to introduce with battery regulation um, uh, a new way of thinking that we can can have a new industrial strategy, not only focus on the cost price, because then we will lose, of course, from Asia, I think we should focus on a holistic approach, an integral approach that we say design, production, use, and recycling. So it's a circular economy. Uh, For that reason, for example, I want to introduce uh, a deposit system uh, to get back 100% of all batteries, or at least 99%. I think it's necessary to have an export ban of waste batteries outside the EU for two reasons that we do not pollute the environment in India or in Africa or what else, but that we are sure that the the, the raw materials can be recycled within Europe so that we keep our uh, raw materials within Europe. And then I think we should invest a lot in trying to uh, develop batteries, uh, raw materials uh, of which batteries are made uh, that Uh, that we can produce them of European raw materials so that we're not dependent. I think at the end, the the due diligence, the social circumstances and the environmental uh, conditions should be much higher than the global uh, uh, standards as they are now so that uh, we can use the leverage of the internal market uh, to become a leading industry, one. Secondly, that we uh, are that we can export our values and uh, our European values to other parts in the world. Um, If we do that, then we keep the internal market open for um, companies from outside the EU, but they have to comply with the European uh, standards. And if that is the case, then I think we create a level playing field. There is no level playing field at the moment in the world. And why? Because we are only focusing on profits. And if we do that, then we will lose. Then in 25 years, we will be a museum in Europe because now we still have a little bit money to spend and we are a little bit richer still than Asia or other parts in the world but there will be an end in our money uh, um, materials and so we need this transition time to create the green deal and use the leverage of the internal market and make the, uh, the European battery industry completely independent from other parts of the world, so that we then have to lead the world leading uh, battery industry for cells, but also for the uses. And I think, for example, that uh, electric vehicles, the batteries in electric vehicles should not only use to transport people from A to B, because 95% of the time the car is, is standstill in the streets and, and parked. And I think we should. Uh, focus on the interoperability of the batteries of cars so that we can heat our house, that we can lighten our house during the nights, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, this is the first uh, part that I want to say. I hope that we can change the mindset of the European people and uh, entrepreneurs too. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much indeed, Antonio's very passionate statement there. We are going to go next to Alex Keynes, so we're going to talk about some of those use cases. Because we can't decouple them from what we need the batteries for. So, Alex, give me your perspective, please.
3: Thanks, um, and thanks very much for having me uh, for this very timely discussion. Um, so, I don't want to spend yeah too much time on what we already know. So, I think you know uh, that we there's a transition happening, uh, a necessary transition happening to electric vehicles uh, in the energy system as well. You know. Uh, as, as the Commission outlined, we obviously uh, need many more batteries for this, um, and therefore we would need a lot more of the metals uh, such as nickel and lithium uh, in the 2020s um, before ultimately recycling can, can play a, a bigger role. Um, so for us, it you know, it is, and I think for most people here, it's really important that this transition to climate neutral uh, EU cannot come at the expense uh, of environmental damage and obviously human rights abuses. In in other parts of the world, um, namely you know the the global south. Um, therefore, you know clearly I think we're all on the same page here that mining practices need to improve uh, and become more sustainable and ethical. And as um, MEP Manders said, you know we need to ex- be able to export our values. And I think this is a, a really timely uh, uh, proposal from the Commission and, and you know a really important step in in the right direction. Um, you know obviously we're going to see. Uh, a lot more material sourcing taking off uh, over the next few years because of this transition. Um, However, despite, you know, the fact we very much welcome this proposal from the Commission, the overall proposal on the battery regulation and specifically the due diligence regime, we believe there are some key elements missing uh, from the proposal. Um, I'll I'll quickly outline some of these and please do uh, let me know if if I'm going over time. Uh, so firstly, um, as the representative um, from the Commission mentioned, you know the proposed basis for company due diligence is, is the so-called OECD due diligence guidance. The full name I think was mentioned in the um, advert for the event, the OECD guidance for responsible supply chains for minerals of conflict uh, affected and high risk areas. So the problem with this is that it only looks at harm in the context of conflict. Uh, and therefore would not include, for example, raw materials originating from the South American lithium triangle, uh, uh, you know, Argentina, Bolivia, Chile, and only addresses risks of gross human rights abuses. So things like torture and and child labour. Instead, you know, we think in addition to this, companies must base their due diligence on um, the UN guiding principles on business and human rights. And additionally, the OECD guidelines for multinational enterprises, Um, these two instruments together cover all human rights violations and um, including, let's say, um, less gross violations, issues around land, labor and water rights as well. Um, you know, just a small change required uh, by policymakers would really help kind of expand this, the, the, the scope and make sure that we don't miss any, um, any issues that might arise. Um, there are also, you know, key battery metals um, that we think are missing. Um, copper was mentioned, so I think I'll mention this as well. Um, it's true that although battery demand for copper represents a much smaller part of overall demand, it is a key battery metal used in the cell anode and also the casing, and will only obviously go up as demand for batteries goes up. The key reason we think it needs to be in the regulation is that copper and cobalt are often mined together. Uh, and when mined as a byproduct of copper mining, uh, we don't want cobalt to be able to, let's say, escape due diligence requirements through a loophole in the regulations. Um, as as I said, both of mine together, um, iron as well. We think should be in um, iron used in LFP batteries, which are set to play a much bigger role for electric vehicles going forward than we anticipated. Um, companies like Tesla, CATL, and, and VW have made announcements recently on this. Um, as well as uh, aluminium or, or bauxite, um, which is also a key battery metal used in the cell level and the casing. Uh, all three of these metals, too, have examples of environmental and human rights abuses and all human rights abuses. Um, for example, the 2019 uh, mine disaster in Brazil, an iron mine, killing 270 workers due to a, a mine tailings collapse, due to basically improper maintenance, uh, auditing and lack of due diligence. So, you know, we think that these metals do need to be added. Uh, final point in my intro remarks. Um, I think you know the overall the proposal is 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 a good start on human rights issues. Um however, on environmental due diligence, we think there are also some key points missing. Um, the The environmental risks um, outlined in the annex are currently, we think too vague. Um, for example, um, water being a good a good example, um defined as it currently is as just water. This um, we don't think captures issues such as water contamination, access to water and water usage and depletion. For example, um, you know, it, it's very important that local communities have access to, 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 to secure water. And the example of lithium extraction from brines in the Atacama Desert is, is a very good example of why this um, these issues should be better defined, we think, in, in the regulation. Um, I, I will leave it there for the intro remarks and um, happy to, to um, elaborate a bit more later
0: thank you alex yes you've raised a lot of issues there but all of which we will try and tackle in a bit more detail following our next couple of opening statements thomas let me turn to you next tell me what bmw group is doing in this area
4: well i think our activities in order to ensure the uh, full integrity of our electric vehicles is um, threefold first of all it's about uh, human rights and environmental standards, secondly, about the climate footprint, and thirdly, about resource consumption. So if we start with the first, it all starts with looking into which materials we use in the first place. So our electric engines, for example, the very vast majority of them does not contain any rare earth in order, for example, to minimize uh, risks in the sourcing of those materials. Uh, secondly, if you look at uh, cobalt, for example, we have decided very clearly not to source from uh, the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo because we source lithium and cobalt directly as BMW and then provide these um, volumes uh, to our suppliers. So we source directly from Australia and Morocco in order to make sure that the human rights abuses that uh, are discussed with the view to Congo do not. Happen in our supply chain. At the same time, we work with the German Environmental and Development Authority, with the GIZ, in order to look into what would need to happen in order to have a more sustainable supply chain uh, in Africa. Mm -hmm. On lithium, prior to considering sourcing, we have issued a a comprehensive study together with two universities what are the requirements for a responsible sourcing of lithium uh, in South America. So turning to CO2, uh, if you would not do anything against it, the CO2 footprint of a battery electric vehicle is about twice the one of an internal combustion engine. In order to make sure that it actually is lower than today's average cars by 2030, we are really taking ambitious steps with our suppliers in order to bring the supply chain impact down. So all our battery cell suppliers be they from China, be they from Korea, be they from Europe, have signed up to the obligation to exclusively use renewable energies when supplying BMW with their products. So this will have a first significant impact uh, on the life cycle of our vehicles uh, without, by the way, being forced by the legislator to do that. Another aspect, and this is closely linked uh, to CO2, as you know, uh, is uh, thirdly Uh, reducing the need for primary resources because it brings down the CO2 footprint significantly depending on the materials to up to 75% if you look at the case of aluminum, for example. So we strongly support, therefore, uh, the proposal launched uh, by the European Commission to establish um, a reliable uh, circular regime uh, for batteries. But very clearly, this is a long effort Where we are just at the start where we will not see big volumes of material coming back out of automotive batteries in the next years we will also see shifts in markets co2 pricing the future of several other pieces of european legislation will impact on the relationship between the prices of primary and secondary materials and and rightly so so from my point of view apart from the fact that we support the objectives of
0: having
4: significant uh, recycled shares in the future, with that also procedurally, speaking, a different approach of institutions uh, and the various parts of industry, in order to really keep track of what is happening in terms of battery technology, what is happening on the markets, what is happening in terms of material availability, etc. So I think uh, with that, I would conclude that new formats and new ways of dealing with one another on this topic uh, is needed uh, as we are entering uh, new issues that are not properly being dealt with, I think, with just conventional legislation as we know it. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Thomas. Francesco, let me turn now to you. Give us your opening thoughts, your statements, your viewpoints, because we've heard from quite quite differing perspectives already. So um, please mix it up a bit more.
5: Indeed, very interesting discussion so far, and uh, a lot of uh, uh, important elements. From uh, from our side, from the side of uh, uh, the battery manufacturers, First of all, we absolutely uh, agree that uh, a batteries regulation was necessary, uh, given the incredible importance of uh, of batteries in the transition towards uh, a green economy. Uh, As uh, we were saying, batteries uh, are the new oil, so they will really power the the green transition and it is important to uh, source materials responsibly. Also, because uh, at the end of the day, we will be able to reuse the materials. We will be able to recycle batteries and uh, use those materials to produce new batteries. Uh, But given the uh, growth in battery sales that uh, we are seeing and that we will uh, see in the coming years, uh, we cannot really expect that the uh, share of recycled material will play a big role in manufacturing new batteries, at least for a few years. Uh, Therefore, the sourcing of raw materials uh, uh, is of uh, uh, incredible importance to promote sustainability. Uh, At the end of the day, we uh, totally support the objective of having uh, green batteries made in Europe and to have competitiveness through sustainability, because we truly believe that uh, uh, sustainability Uh, in all its uh, declinations so being carbon footprint over sustainable sourcing of raw materials or ambitious recycling targets are necessary and are a defining and competitive factor for uh, the European companies because we are better than the rest of the world when it comes to sustainability, recycling, worker protections and uh, so on. On the due diligence uh, aspects included uh, in the batteries regulation, we tend to believe that uh, uh, the Commission actually put on the table a very good uh, uh, proposal. Uh, The impact assessment recognized the fact that uh, the industry is already doing a lot in terms of uh, due diligence. Uh, We we already uh, listened to a few examples uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, So there are a lot of voluntary agreements uh, already put in place by the uh, industry and by the European industry in particular. Uh, But of course we agree on the fact that uh, it's better to regulate these so that all actors uh, uh, in the value chain and all competitors also uh, will have to comply with the same uh, strict standards. Uh, If we look at the proposal, though, we do have a few elements that uh, we would like to to mention. First of all, the timeline, because we we only have one year to uh, implement the new requirements after the regulation will be Uh, Approved and we believe that this is not enough because of course the due diligence policies will have to be implemented but uh, also the results will have to be verified by uh, third-party assessment bodies and this uh, entire system of checks will have to be established at national level. Therefore, we do not think that one year is enough to have all this uh, done. Then we have uh, a few concerns regarding the coherence with the sustainable sustainable corporate governance governance initiative, which will be uh, proposed uh, uh, quite soon by the Commission and uh, which will have to ensure a level playing field because we believe that uh, products competing with batteries will have to comply with the same uh, strict due diligence uh, obligation. And finally, we believe that uh, it is extremely important to ensure proportionality and uh, uh, have fact-based regulation. So we saw uh, several uh, calls to extend uh, the scope to other applications or to other methods, but we believe that uh, the impact assessment uh, did a good job in uh, assessing which methods need to be there and which applications need to be uh, in the scope. At the end of the day, it is not a matter of being ambitious or not ambitious, but the point is to have a regulation which is productive and cost effective. And we believe that uh, the current scope works uh, uh, quite well. in general, as I was saying, we believe it's a, a, a very positive initiative. And uh, this is something that the, the battery industry uh, totally supports. So uh, looking forward to a good discussion also in the next uh, uh, minutes. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Francesco, very much indeed. Mark, you're, uh, you're from the Nickel Institute, sponsors of today's event. So obviously you have a, a real feeling that now is the time to talk about this issue.
6: Yes, indeed. I, I have the feeling that there's a need to talk about this topic. First of all, many thanks uh, for setting up this this exchange and um, the other panelists for joining. Um, I think the first point I would like to make is um, we heard right now in the introductory statements uh, that Uh, raw material supply is of global nature but i think it is important not to forget that we still have world-class installations when it comes to nickel production in europe so i was just uh, noting down uh, a few countries like uh, finland france belgium norway the united kingdom where we have nickel producers world-class nickel producers being located and with umicor here in belgium also one of the top companies when it comes to the recycling of nickel and other raw materials, other metals which are recycling from the battery value chain. And as, as nickel in, industry, we we play here a critical role as we are at the begin as well as at the end of the battery value chain. So we are providing the raw materials, um, but we also look forward and we are preparing ourselves for getting the materials back once they, they leave uh, the use phase. When it comes to the topic of the day, responsible sourcing, um, there's a clear message that I would like to leave, and that's actually our member companies are committed. So we are we are here to clearly state that we are committed to responsible sourcing, and we are also supporting the inclusion of responsible sourcing into the proposed EU battery regulation. Um, it's often enough misunderstood, but in the case of our member companies, We see this not as a burden, but as an opportunity to demonstrate that we are um, ready to identify and to address um, environmental, social, and governance risks, as it allows companies to also demonstrate their performance and that they are committed uh, to the targets which are set, for example, also in the European Green Deal. And when you look into the activities uh, in which we are involved, I think that is um, also clearly showing how committed we are. There are regulatory initiatives like, for example, proposed EU battery regulation. We see trading platforms looking into responsible sourcing. There are public-private partnerships, like the Global Battery Alliance, in which we are involved, Um, but also industry-driven initiatives, such as, for example, Drive Sustainability or Responsible Steel, where this topic is actually picked up and where we are engaged. And there's there's one very nice example where we can demonstrate that we are actually committed, that we are working on this. And that's uh, the joint due diligence standard, which we actually developed together with the colleagues from the copper industry, from the zinc industry, the lead industry and the responsible minerals initiative. Um, It took us 12 months to develop this document. Uh, It's right now undergoing uh, a review process of the OECD to ensure that we are compliant with the OECD due diligence requirements. There are right now three points I would like to leave when it comes to the proposed EU battery regulation, but also the sustainable products initiative and sustainable corporate governance. And that's um, the first one is a point that Francesco already mentioned. we have to acknowledge that this is a very complex matter. When we talk about ESG risks, we are talking about a list of roughly 30, 32 items. And um, looking into these risks, tailoring them to your specific raw materials industry and its characteristics is, of course, time demanding. And um, Francesco rightly pointed out that the one thing is to to actually develop such a standard. The other thing is to lift the companies sufficient time to have the auditors coming over and to check and the 12 months which are currently under discussion are simply uh, not feasible for our industry. So a clear plea towards uh, especially the European Parliament, but also the Commission, um, give us the time to actually properly implement a standard and to allow the companies to actually demonstrate that they comply with the requirements. And the other point I would like to mention is is that we, we observe with concern that we have right now a discussion taking place under batteries where proposals are made to extend the scope to include this and that. us, it's important that we have a coherent and consistent regulatory framework. A worst case would be that we have for each and every value chain in which nickel goes different requirements. Um, that's, that is actually going to lead to inefficiencies. It's confusion. It's residing in confusion on the markets. And um, there's no added value. So, a clear plea from our side please ensure that what is done under batteries is in line with what is uh, under discussion in the Sustainable Products Initiative as well as sustainable corporate governance. And the third point I would like to make um, is, is also the recognition of the efforts that we as industry undertake. We see that um, there are often enough questions raised. Well, this is a standard put together by industry. Is it really reliable or are they trying to escape from their responsibilities? Um, The joint due diligence standard that we developed shows how we are working. We have a stakeholder engagement process. We are sharing these documents throughout its development. We are going afterwards through um, a recognition process by the OECD to ensure that um, the level of ambition is the same as in other documents. So, the, the cross recognition process is quite important for us. And therefore, also a plea from our side, um, also towards the European Commission, that the work done by industry should be acknowledged and not questioned. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mark, and uh, thank you for your, your plea to the policymakers. Obviously, Stefano and Antonio are both here. Francesco, I know you need to leave us shortly. Do you have any final plea you want to make before you have to go?
5: Uh, no, thank you. I think uh, the, the other speakers already addressed uh, the, the the main question quite uh, quite well. From the point of view of the industry, I think it is important to have something ambitious but implementable and uh, what Mark said uh, goes exactly in the right direction. So, thank you very much, and I wish you a good discussion.
0: Thank you, Francesco. Antonios, let me uh, come back to you. I mean, you've you've heard a lot of different viewpoints there. What's your initial take, I mean, especially in terms of this timeline consideration?
2: Well, I think uh, our legal procedures are taking uh, uh, too much time. because we are listening too much to the, let's say, the profit uh, thinkers. Um, I have seen that with the with Universal Charger, which I proposed in 2009. In 2021, finally, the commission said uh, we will make it uh, mandatory. And then in uh, uh, 2024, so that means 15 years after the proposal, 15 years, because we want to help Apple with making more money at the end. And we don't look at the waste. And that's. our our system is getting out of uh, time. Um, Mr. Mr. Mystery asked, um, give us more time, but I think we have no time to lose uh, for several reasons. Uh, The last 30 years, we harvest the low hanging fruit. uh, And nowadays we need more and more efforts to get the raw materials out of the mining, though on the other side, the demand in the world is much higher, so it's getting more and more difficult to get the raw materials uh, to produce our needs our our products Uh, then there's another and it's not a threat but it's an it's it's a global uh fact that the market in china is three times as big as uh, as the, the european market and the more prosperity they get the more need they have for products too so at the end who can will uh, produce all our products. So I think Europe should focus in a faster way than we do now on being independent as a uh, as a continent, uh, thinking of the aging of the people so that we are prepared for the coming 25 years instead of making money for the coming five years. So I hope that we can um, speed up the procedures and that it doesn't take uh, years before entering into force of this uh, um, regulation for batteries, but it is much, much more for other legislation too. That's what I say. So we need a mindset um, that we do not focus only on, on uh, cost e- uh, effectiveness, uh, as uh, Mr. gatilio said, uh, that it must be cost effective, of course, but cost means um, money for, uh, let's say, CO2 costs, or does it mean uh, also only for uh, less less cost for the company that they earn more? That's actually the way of thinking, and I think we should also consider the environmental cost uh, in producing things. And then at the end, of course, the the company should make money, too, because that's uh, their focus. And uh, without making money, they can't exist anymore. But I think we need the right balance. And if we find that, then I think that my grandchildren will have a nice future uh, in the coming 50 years or longer. Thank you very much. And I have to leave. Thank you for uh, for attending and listening. And I hope that we can achieve in the coming years a mindset uh, at the European consumers and uh, companies, of course, so that the economy of Europe and Europe will exist also in 25 years as a, a lively uh, community instead of being a museum for Chinese tourists. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much, Antonia. So certainly all hope we don't become a museum for Chinese tourists. It would be just dreadful outlook. But thank you. And I know you've taken time out of your schedule to talk to us today because, as we said, you are in the input committee rapporteur on that. Thank you. Um, let me turn, Thomas, to you. We've been hearing a bit um, about industry and the demands and so on and then the, the profit-driven, the industries that we we know and love but you're saying that you know BMW has proactively made a lot of decisions to be more sustainable. Um, How do you make a business case for that?
4: Well I think uh, very clearly uh, if you look at raw material prices and are realistic about it uh, you would not really expect them to go down anytime soon. So uh, we think that uh, engaging Uh, into more circularity uh, will make mid- and long-term business sense. Uh, We have therefore at the International Auto Show uh, in Munich uh, shown what we would envisage how a 100% circular car could look like. Obviously, this is a vision, not a vehicle you will be able to buy, but it illustrates our ambition to, as a next step, go from the somewhat below 30% of recycled content of our vehicles to 50% in order to reach compatibility with the paris agreement because this will not happen just by going from one drivetrain to another and in order to reduce uh, dependency on primary materials so i think uh, there is a synergy here and uh, our challenge uh, as a company is uh, to get the best results in terms of co2 saved for example for the euro we spent And here we are confronted with competing options. We have the big material classes that compose a vehicle, which is steel, aluminum, plastics, and the material that goes into our batteries. And for both of them, we have two basic options, changing the way energy goes into the product and changing the ratio between primary and secondary material. So it's actually eight options that you have and the ratio between them in terms of how much impact can you have and how much will you have to pay will not stay constant for 10 or 15 or 20 years. We are establishing, therefore, management systems to permanently recalibrate what is the best way forward here. And that means a lot of dynamism and that means the proper integration of sustainability topics like resource use and CO2 into the corporate target and measurement system. And finally, it means you need to orchestrate data provision along the supply chain. That's why we are part of what is called Cartina X, an initiative that allows for the digital tracking of the CO2 footprint, also of more complex components in the future. It's obviously a big piece of work that will also make take a few years. But at the end of the day, we need to create the digital infrastructure for really being able to define the footprint of a highly complex product like ours in collaboration with many partners across, along the chain.
0: Thank you very much. For that. That's a great explanation. Um, now, I do want to remind our audience that you can ask questions using the chat function, and I see some coming in already. So I'm going to jump to one because I was going to put Stefano to you Um the comments from, from Alex saying that the OECD guidance on due diligence doesn't go far enough in terms of the dealing only with gross violations and conflict. What's your reaction to that? I mean, is, is, there a, is, it, is, it, is it enough to say that these really, really gross violations are the low hanging fruit, Or do you believe that this is the sort of instrument that could do more?
1: No, this is certainly something we can look at with an open spirit, and this is what we are doing already. By the way, this is not the first time we have this discussion. Uh, if you look, I mean, this is okay. This is a bit, uh, this is a bit for for nerds. But if you look at uh, the introduction to the regulation, it mentions another number of uh, international guidelines, um, and then we zoom in on uh, the one that's been mentioned from the OECD uh for responsible sourcing we are open to to improving the 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 proposal under this respect with what is state of the art uh, on this subject uh, well, if i you. can um, i would
6: yes
1: yeah, There were a few points made in, I'll, be, I'll be extremely I'll be extremely rapid, made on the commission proposals uh, uh, it's fine and nice to hear the proposal and its impact assessment praised on the aspects you like and questions on the aspects you don't like, we we believe it's solid, I mean as Toyn as, Mander uh, said we need to, to change mindsets and concerning deadlines, we're not going to change them by kicking the can down the alley uh our proposal including the timelines is impact assessed uh, uh, and there was a couple of speakers who mentioned the need to ensure consistency uh, with the sustainable product initiative and in particular with the uh, uh, um, corporate sustainable governance uh, we will ensure consistency of course uh, the proposals have slightly different angles uh, The commission will present its proposal for uh, sustainable corporate governance towards the end of the year but this addresses companies uh, in general uh, focusing on the problem of the the fact that the pressure to focus on short-term financial returns goes sometimes at the expense of long-term development of a company and sustainability Uh, For batteries, we want to make sure that our climate and energy policies that promote those batteries do not have negative side effects. Uh, Although there might be similarities, we will, of course, uh, ensure coherence. And that is the principle of uh, lex specialis. And uh, for batteries, uh, the batteries regulation is lex specialis and prevails on other potentially conflicting uh, regulatory acts.
0: Thank you, Stefano. I mean, there are, of course, other questions coming in as well. But I have a a rather technical one from Anne-Katherine Kepler asking, what is the performance like of recycled materials in in terms of actual use? Thomas, maybe you or Mark, perhaps one of you could give me a response on that.
4: Well, here we are uh, looking at a challenge which is very different depending on which material you, you look. Uh, If you take, for example, aluminum, it is very crucial that you do not have contamination, for example, with residual copper that comes out of the uh, shredding process. So also, if we look at automotive grade quality, uh, the availability of sufficiently pure raw material is one of the limiting factors we are currently facing. And this is why we collaborate also on plastics, for example, uh, with other partners from industry in order to Uh, enable a higher share uh, of recycled materials. Uh, But for us, things like uh, the mentioned uh, contamination topics uh, are the showstoppers uh, we need to overcome.
0: Thank you. Alex, if I may, we we are talking about Europe within the context of the global community and as you've pointed out, many of these, these problematic minerals are from the global south I mean, but isn't there a sense that well there is a huge demand in europe for these products so going to come from somewhere and you cannot expect everyone to know every link in their supply chain
3: i mean yeah i i would say that it's 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 an interesting question and one that um i think um was helped me answer one of the the other points that was raised earlier um about uh timelines um i mean we see due diligence as a progressive exercise. So it's not something that you can just do and then prove that you've done, you know, um, immediately. It's, it's, it's something that you work at. It's something that, you know, companies will get to know their supply chains better and better. Um, and that's the point of the due diligence provisions. As um, it's not something that you just switch on and off. Um, companies in Europe, as, as has been mentioned are already, kind of, let's say, ahead of the game, um, Okay, like Francesco he's I know he's not here anymore, um but he 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 mentioned that you know European companies are ahead of the game on due diligence, workers' rights uh, and and recycling. I, I would actually just very very quickly question the point on recycling. I think actually battery lithium battery recycling is is uh, very much behind the game in Europe. Um, Asia is very much ahead uh, and europe um north america is is certainly um catching up uh, more quickly than europe on on that front. Um, But coming back to the the discussion point, um, great, if Europe, European companies um, are so much better at due diligence and workers rights, which we would tend to agree with, then let's prove that. Let's make sure this regulation is ambitious. And that will also help competitiveness, you know, the sooner that these rules come in, um, that are going to level the playing field for European companies um, against the uh, incumbent battery producers from Asia, then that's even better for Europe. So let's do it quicker. Um, Or, you know, let's let's be ambitious stick to the timelines proposed by the commission. Um, and, you know, coming back to my point about it's a progressive exercise, um, you know, you need to show in this proposed due diligence regime that you're making an effort. So it's a proof of effort that you check and address risks in your supply chain. Um, but there's no proof of outcome required. Um, you don't, there's there's there's, there's no um, kind of, you know, companies won't be, um, if, if, if companies are shown to have been negligent um where risks were clear and risks were identified and action wasn't taken then that is a problem of course but you don't have to prove that you know um, an outcome that was with, uh, beyond your control um you know was 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 was, was not addressed um, so i think here there's there's maybe a bit of a kind of a reality to, to be um understood here about how this is a progressive exercise and this these new rules will help. Companies increasingly understand and map the the, the hotspots in their in their supply chains, and that's exactly the point.
0: Thank you, um, Mark. Let me talk to you about where you think the EU can have its own sort of added value in the system. I mean, we we see in other areas that the EU likes to lead the way on regulation for things like protecting human rights and sustainability and and and, and, and responsible sourcing. In this case. Do you think that that could become, if you like, a USP for the EU?
6: It can. It can. I would agree with uh, that statement. But if you may allow, I I would like to comment on the last two questions. Uh, So the one that you posed to Thomas and the other one to Alex. Uh, First of all, as Thomas rightly stated, the quality of the recycled material depends on the material as such. And um, when you look into especially nickel or cobalt and the recycling process and um all the material is is actually recycled you will see that the quality of recycled metal of recycled nickel is the same as of primary material um the important point thomas mentioned earlier that um, the energy savings made uh, by using for example recycled aluminium can be as high as is of course that a lot depends on how the material is composed of. What do you have as contaminants, for example? Um so this gap between primary and recycled material might be even might be in some cases smaller. Um, one comment I would like to make on what Alex said, I I agree with, with Alex, it's indeed as such that due diligence is about identifying in the first stage, risks, and if you identify those, you have to address them. Um, so it's it's a process um, where where we cannot expect that companies um, implement such a standard and everything is is well on the next day. It might take some time, and this is something where I feel it is important that um, we communicate this also to to third parties and that the outside world understands that. Um, with the proposed new battery regulation, with putting the system in place, um, with uh, companies fulfilling responsible sourcing requirements, that everything is going to change from one day to the next. It might be a process that takes time, but the important point, I think, is that that we start and that we take action, and that industry, especially the raw materials industry, for what I speak today, is actually showing its commitment.
0: Thank you, Mark. I'm, I'm going to take another question from uh, our audience, and I will remind you that, of course, you can keep doing that. And we remind the audience also that they can share along on social media using the hashtag #EAdebates. The question here is uh, is from Gabriel, uh, saying the regulation focuses primarily on humanitarian violations, but what about ensuring ecological protection um, to increase sustainability? Stefano, I. I'm wondering if uh, one of the things we talk about a lot more, particularly in these post-pandemic era, is not just about sustainability, it's also about resilience. And I'm wondering if a, a shift in focus might make our situation more resilient as well as sustainable.
1: Well, okay, uh, two points here. The question from the audience, I mean, there's uh, the whole uh, regulation, the focus is on environmental sustainability with targets that uh, are staggered uh, um, uh, in, in, uh, in, in time, uh, amounts of recycled uh, materials, etc., etc. Yes, resilience is very important here. Uh, we need uh, to sustain the growth the the undoubtable uh, the certain uh, vertical growth of the battery sector uh, because this is a pillar of uh, uh, of uh, Europe's uh, energy strategy uh, and climate strategy uh, decarbonization we're going to need more and more batteries at home in industries in cars in vehicles Uh, The supply chain has demonstrated um, uh, in general uh, um, in energy industries and in particular renewables but in energy industry uh, an excellent response to the shock of the pandemics now we are having a crunch uh, a crunch that's due to a number of factors uh, in particular to uh, an accelerated growth Uh, after a period of uh, shock Uh, in conditions, in framework conditions where there are still some uh, hurdles to uh, manufacturing processes and logistics. Uh, So yes, uh, resilience is definitely an important factor in the equation uh and this is why for instance in the revised uh, um, industrial strategy the commission adopted in uh, in may uh, we're talking about uh, the threefold uh, transition green digital and resilient
0: thank you very much um let's uh let me also um uh, bring in thomas here as well because we've talked about supply chains obviously from the global south but I presume an an organisation as big as BMW, you're going to work with supply chains all across the Europe. And one question we've had come in uh, from an audience member is asking how do you see the TTC play a role in the overall discussion on critical raw materials? But I presume this is the the, the technology and trade council, um, technology and trade and technology council with the US. Is there a sense where uh, like-minded, if you like, democracies could team up to sort of take a stance against these conflict minerals, so-called conflict minerals.
4: So we have been supporting a closer collaboration between the US and Europe uh, for a long time uh, with a significant interruption of four years. And uh, we would obviously uh, extremely appreciate if there was more done together and an alignment between uh, the US uh, uh, and Europe no doubt Uh, that applies to many aspects of what we're doing to the digitization of the car to autonomous driving and also uh, to uh, the electric uh, drive system Uh, on the other hand uh, uh, our CEO in April this year has been proposing at the China development forum to jointly address uh, critical and important supply chains between Europe and China as well so we think that it makes sense to engage uh, also partners in Asia directly and see where there may be fields uh, of common interest and where, for example, in decarbonizing the electricity supply for energy intense components like the battery, but also steel or aluminum, uh, there could be fields uh, uh, of collaboration. As, for example, if you take our BMW iX3, which is uh, the fully electric version of the X3 car, it is made in China for the world. So any of these cars which you see on the road in Europe comes from China, and it is made exactly to the same standards as its brother, if you like, which comes from Spartanburg, South Carolina. So that is why we have a very keen interest in more alignment and more collaboration.
0: MARK, what's your position on this uh, need for sort of internationally agreed alignment? We obviously talk a lot at the moment about the EU situation, but. Where where do you stand on, on on a global level?
6: Well, I I can only support the idea or um, an initiative to take this forward on a on a global level. I mentioned earlier a public private partnership, which is the Global Battery Alliance, in which we are engaged. And in this Global Battery Alliance, we are aiming at we are looking at producing batteries sustainably so starting with the mining and ending up with the recycling of these batteries and and i think that these kind of public private partnerships um can create an added value and can actually complement what is done on a on a regional scale as for example in the european union as clearly if we if we want to move things forward if we want to change things and we need um stakeholders from the asian Pacific role to also join us in our efforts.
0: Thank you, Alex. I presume you too believe that uh, by uh, acknowledging the the global nature of supply chains, more can be achieved.
3: Um, by you mean more could be achieved by having uh, global initiatives. I mean on, on yeah. this, I would, I would, I mean. <laughs> Obviously this, this always sounds nice and there's obviously something that industry uh, always pushes for. I mean, I, I, I talk about in general, I mean, you know, environment policy, it, 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 I would say that experience shows that um, Europe has always and should continue to um, uh, lead the way in setting the most ambitious standards globally. Um, other countries tend to follow. And, you know, it's therefore incumbent on Europe to, to as I, as I said, take the lead in setting the most ambitious standards. And this battery regulation is the perfect example of that. Um, you know, the, as I said, other, other regions tend to adopt at some point the regulations that, that Europe sets. Um, this is better for European companies who get a head start. Um, this is also a way, and I know the Commission sees it as this, it, it's not only an environmental and climate policy, it's an industrial competitiveness policy because... You know, setting the standards, um, level, levelling the playing field by sustainability standards is is a way that Europe can can um, can 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 better compete. Uh, and you know, uh, and and I think that's that's to be celebrated. Um, experience shows that when Europe waits for other industri- uh, other other regions to set in, in, international standards, um, the 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 um, uh, results are always poor. I mean, you have to look at uh, ETS. Um, for aviation, the discussion that happened around there, waiting for Corsia to set uh, an international standard uh, ended up being unsurprisingly incredibly unambitious and poor compared to what Europe wanted to do. say for shipping. Um, we can't wait around uh, for, for laggards to, uh, to, to, to catch up. We need to make these steps ourselves and, and, and you know, let's say, uh, try and shape the global regulatory um, framework. Um, I think this also, um, if, if, if you allow me, just to come back to a point that was made about the uh, um, corporate, sustainable corporate governance initiative or proposal that's coming at the end of the year, I, I think it's otherwise been referred to as the horizontal due diligence proposal. Um, you know, this is um, something which uh, we, we obviously um, welcome as an initiative. And I think um, I want to echo a bit um, what the, Stefano what's from the Commission that mentioned that, um, or was kind of implying was that, um, you know, this will have a different scope. Um, you know, we need to remember that the battery regulation is covering sector specific challenges and should remain separate from this horizontal due diligence proposal. And we should not water down ambition in the battery regulation um to you know kind of let's say uh, link the two proposals together we actually you know as i've set out and i think um i think others have kind of in some way agreed that we need to actually increase the ambition in some way in the battery regulation and for sure we we look forward to having a an ambitious horizontal due diligence proposal and i think this is and this is where i absolutely do agree with what's been said by um some of the in, in, industry colleagues is that um it, it's important that um actually we level the playing field for other sectors i think in particular the fossil fuel sector the fossil fuel industry has had a free ride for years on environmental and human rights uh, risks um, and you know now we are in this transition away from fossil fuels in the energy and transport sectors It is support we obviously do this right um, and the battery regulation is is the opportunity to to, to do so but um, of course we need to ensure that other sectors um, are also held to account on their, on their due diligence, um, supply chain due diligence.
0: Thank you very much, Alex, and for indeed for bringing up that, uh, that horizontal uh, instrument. Stefano, I, I think you wanted to comment, however, on Alex's first point there. Uh,
1: yes, I mean, uh, in general, on engaging with our global partners, of course, these are global issues, and we are happy to engage uh, uh, with everyone and with the rest of the world. Uh, there are two issues here. One has been made... Very well, by Alex. I mean, uh, uh, we are standard setters, and standard setters. the standard setter role gives us a a a, a, a good a great advantage. Uh, we are a, Europe is an unavoidable market for all those who uh, want to do business, um, and uh, if we do things properly, uh, like uh, I think. Uh, This is the case for battery. Uh, Many other jurisdictions, many other parts of the world take up our models. There's a a great example of this. Uh, Always uh, in the same sort of area of uh, sustainability of products regulation, which is uh, eco-design and energy labeling for energy-using products. If you go around the world, you will see how many parts of it have copied uh, our model, for uh, electrical appliances in particular, but not only, and have copied our uh, energy labeling uh, schemes. Uh, So yes, we engage with everyone. We know the products are global, uh, but we, as I said before, uh, we don't have the least intention of kicking the can down the alley. And by the way, by regulating products, as we are doing with batteries and as we intend to do uh, with the sustainable product initiative, for a series of, uh, of products focusing on a life cycle uh, approach. Uh, we have a global impact because we regulate products regardless of where they're made. If if someone wants to place them on the European market, which, as I said, is an unavoidable market, uh, we're not a small island uh, in the ocean with a very tiny population, uh, we are the largest single market in uh, in, in in the world, Um they will have to comply with our requirements.
0: Thank you, Stefano. Point well made. Um, Before I go to a round of of closing comments, first, let me just ask quickly Mark and Thomas, when it comes to uh, compliance with, with these various regulations or due diligence guidelines, what sort of tools are out there? I'm thinking, Thomas, maybe something like blockchain, sort of traceability, auditability. And um, how do you deliver on that?
4: Well, this is indeed one of the, the big pieces of work ahead of us. We have almost 10,000 direct suppliers, not naming all those who are in the second and third tier. So there will be no full coverage of all of that, neither in terms of CO2, neither in terms of uh, uh, compliance with standards. So we always have to prioritize. And um, That means that we want to demonstrate that, for example, if we purchase aluminum, which is made from renewables, which is better than the average figure that today goes into the systems uh, for an LCA of a car, uh, this is credible and demonstrated. And this is one of the aspects that we do in the aforementioned Catena X format. But clearly, namely in this field, we need a closer dialogue also with the regulators because we are far away from making this something that you could regulate in the sense you regulate, for example, the emissions that come out of the tailpipe. You cannot regulate an entire value chain like you regulate a technical device in a car. And uh, what is the right way in between uh, is, I think, a crucial factor. Uh, let me but just matter one fact. If you look at the European taxonomy, as it will be applied to us, none of the stuff that we have been discussing for the last hour will matter at the moment taxonomy only means to see that how big is the share of electric vehicles in your fleet that's the only information you get actually uh, translated into turnover Uh, we hear that we may not even be relevant for the uh, taxonomy on recycling and i think really in that regard we need a discussion about what really will matter in the future.
0: Thank you, Mark. The same question to you: How do you demonstrate a compliance with these sorts of guidelines and regulations? Thomas is there saying it's it's difficult to the point of impossible.
6: I, I can only echo what what Thomas said. Maybe in our case it's not ten thousand of uh, different actors or um, products that we have to follow, but. It is, a, it is a very complex matter and traceability is of course something that you need to address when you talk about responsible sourcing and uh, due diligence. They are tools which are in the discussion uh, like a chain of custody. Um, again, I, I would I would like to make it very clear. We, we are committed, we want to demonstrate that we are sourcing the raw materials not only going into batteries, but also into other value chains in a sustainable way that we address and identify ESG risks. But the critical point is that this takes some time. And if we start nothing, we are going to end in a mess. So a very strong plea from my side, give us the time to look into this and to prepare things properly.
0: Thank you, um, Stefano. Any final thought you want to leave us with, or a takeaway in in one minute? I think you're on mute. Can't hear you. Twenty twenty
1: one. Sorry. Uh, yes, as I was saying, this this debate uh, shows uh, how how relevant. Uh, uh, this subject is uh, as i was saying our pro- we believe in our proposals they are they are properly impact assessed at the same time as the case of uh, international guidelines for uh, uh, responsible sourcing shows we are open to improving it uh, we believe the timelines are right we believe the proposals are solid in particular we, yeah, yes we keep hearing about for instance copper copper is an important part of batteries uh but batteries are not an important part of the copper market it's about 0.1 percent if we want to make a difference in the way that copper is mined we have to take a different approach we're not going to make a difference with uh, uh with batteries uh so uh it's great to have the opportunity to exchange uh, i would like to to, to close with quoting to mind us we have to change mindsets
0: thank you Alex, your closing remarks, please.
3: I uh, would like to probably also um, echo a bit what MEP Manders said. You know, we don't have any time to waste um, this. You know, uh, as, as we all know, this this transition is happening now, it's happening very quickly. Um, it, it is a necessary transition. Um, so, you know, we need to put the rules in place uh, as soon as possible, and you know, this battery regulation is is the way to do it. Uh, so let's not delay unnecessarily. Um, you know, coming back very very briefly to the comments by industry colleagues, um, understand that this is a big effort required, but you know, this will apply to all actors. And you know, as Stefano said, this the EU is an unavoidable market. Um, this is the way we export our values, um, as Antonio Manda said. Um, you know, uh, all companies uh, involved in the battery supply chain value chain will have to comply with these rules and if European actors are already doing so as we've heard then great let's put this into practice let's regulate this so Europe company, European companies can have a head start um you know um, yeah and with that I would leave it and say um, thank you very much and you know let's as I say that's there's, there's no time to waste
0: thank you indeed and uh, Thomas your final remarks.
4: Well, thank you very much, first of all, for the opportunity to discuss here and uh, echoing what has just been said, we need to uh, work more closely together on these topics. Uh, And uh, I come back to my initial point. We need also other formats for uh, developing uh, issues like supply chain management in the future. But uh, count on us to be part of that.
0: Great. And finally, Mark, your thoughts, please. What's your key takeaway?
6: Yes, I think I think this format has shown that it is necessary and essential that we talk to each other and that we as industry make it clear that we are committed. Um, that we also share with you um the challenges that we have ahead of us in implementing all the different requirements which are right now resulting from the battery regulation. As we are talking here about one element, one of more than 30 different pieces of secondary legislation which are reciting from the battery regulation. And it's simply at the time is, o- the day is only 24 hours. Um, we, it will require some time to implement and to do things right. Thank you.
0: Thank you all very much for your thoughts and comments. I think if nothing else, we've demonstrated the complexity of the issue and the need to actually spend time focusing on it right now. So thank you all very much for joining me today. Remember, this isn't, of course, the end of the conversation. You can still continue to follow us online using the hashtag EADebates. Do stay with us then, because we will be back in due course with many more issues, debates and virtual conferences on your active about this and other important legislative matters.